the Sabbath to be sanctified? The answer begins, the Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day, even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days. Leviticus 23.3 says, Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. So here note that it is a portion of our time, a seventh of your time. <coughs> Notice on that seventh day, they, the reference is to rest and to convocation. Convocation is a similar concept to church. Ecclesia is the Greek word. It means to call people together, convocation, where church means to call people out. Kaleo and ek, ek kaleo, ecclesia, to call out. But notice, in that day of holy convocation, there is to be no work, and that this was to be universal in all your dwellings. So not merely in the convocation of God's people, and the public exercises of worship, but also in private, in your dwellings. In both places, in all places, no work is to be done. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 and 14. It says, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Okay, so here we notice a couple of things. One is that the pleasure that we experience in this life, things that we enjoy, he says those things are not to be done on the Sabbath. It's not your ordinary, everyday pleasures that you seek. Now we've seen that labors are not to be done, but here it's not talking about labors. It's talking about things that you take delight in, your recreations, your pleasures, your seeking of your own ease or comfort. And then he says to call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable. Now if we're a holy people then, of course, a holy day is a delightful thing. Mm. But if we are profane people, then it's almost like we have to be forced into a holy day. That's the idea. But if we are God's holy people, and this is God's holy day, then we would delight in it. We should delight in it. And we should consider it an honorable day, a day to be respected. But notice also, it's not just honoring the day. He says, and shalt honor him, that is the Lord, the Lord who gave you this day. Now, if you get a chance to go back and look at this passage in context, Isaiah is talking about people who build the waste places, the old places that have fallen into decay. And then he talks about how these people will set the foundation for many generations. And then, in the midst of talking about restoring the old foundations that have fallen into decay and being a repairer of the breaches, those holes in the wall, that's what a breach is, 
<coughs> two things sever out that used to be one. So the walls are broken down. The old places are uninhabited. The foundations are cracked. That's when the Sabbath comes up. And that's what he's saying here. We are to take delight in God. We're to honor God by honoring the Sabbath. And then after honoring Him, he says, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. So all this has to do with our attitude toward God and consequently our attitude toward His Sabbath. But then, if we do these things and take our delight in God and don't seek our own pleasure or recreations, then he says, you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And then, beyond just delighting, enjoying God, by glorifying Him, you will enjoy Him. And then he says, He'll bless you. He'll cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. Meaning, God will add a blessing to your earthly existence. And then He will feed you with the heritage of Jacob. God has a testament. He has heirs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob is the last of the three major patriarchs. His inheritance goes to the people, which is Israel. His other name is Israel and the twelve tribes. So God says, you'll be my chosen people. You'll be heirs of my testament. You'll rejoice in me, delight in me, if you turn your foot away from the Sabbath and you restore these old waste places and you don't do your own pleasure. Then all these blessings will pursue and overtake you. And this is found to be the case even in this earthly life that nations who observe the Sabbath are blessed, nations who disregard the Sabbath are cursed. And then part two there. The Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day, even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days, and spending the whole time in the public and private exercises of God's worship. Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2. This is a psalm or song for the Sabbath day. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Notice here, it's a holy day. And just like Leviticus 23, he said, this day is a Sabbath of rest. It's a holy convocation. That's the public exercises of God's worship. And it's in all your dwellings. Those are the private exercises of God's worship. That which is public is the convocation. That which is private is in all your dwellings. And it's both public and private, but also in the morning and in the evening. So it's a whole day, in other words. This psalm, Psalm 92, is for the Sabbath. And it refers us to the giving of thanks to God, the singing of the praises of God, <clears throat> the showing forth of His loving kindness and His faithfulness, both in the morning and in the evening, or every night. Thomas Vincent says, The holy exercises which we are to be employed in, or the works which we are principally commanded to do on the Sabbath day, are the public and private exercises especially the public exercises of God's worship, such as hearing the word, prayer, receiving the sacrament, singing of psalms, and the public assemblies of God's people. 
And it shall come to pass, from one Sabbath to another, shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Isaiah 66, 23. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Luke 4, 16. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. Acts 20, verse 7. And then, of course, Psalm 92 we looked at. So here, Vincent gives us a picture of what exactly are the ordinances that we enjoy, those public ordinances, those things that God has given us to exercise our faith. What do they look like? Hearing of the word, preaching of the word, congregating, singing of God's praise, hearing the preaching with Paul, and then also breaking bread, often a reference to the sacrament of the Lord's body. Number three there in your handout. The Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day, even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days, and spending the whole time in the public and private exercises of God's worship, except so much as is to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. Now, this word, just to explain what necessity means. The word uh, ne means not. That's what the first part of the word necessity, ne, N-E. It's like no, but it sounds better. No necessity sounds bad, so we say necessity. Now, necessity is the capacity for something to stop. So, necessity means it cannot stop. Something that must occur. It can't stop, either for physical reasons or for spiritual reasons. This thing cannot stop. That's what is necessary. Necessity is not something that we impose upon ourselves. It's imposed upon us by God, either in His providence or the work of creation. So natural necessity is imposed by God's work of creation. Spiritual necessity is imposed upon us by the law of God. And there are cases where providentially God imposes necessity on us. Okay, so that said, we're to take up the whole day in the public and private exercises of God's worship with the exception of works of necessity and works of mercy. Matthew chapter 12, verses 3 through 5. But he said unto them, Have you not read what David did when he was in hunger, and they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God, and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law, how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Now this is a brilliant argument that Jesus presents because on the one hand the Pharisees would be disposed to honor David and to say that he was in the right in this case as in most all of the cases of his life some exceptions of course but here they would say well David was in the right he was hungry right he had natural necessity and providential necessity it was necessary to feed his body And moreover, he was being chased like a dog by Saul. 
So he couldn't have a regular place where he could make his meals. He couldn't have normal things like you and I might have a place, a kitchen, a cupboard. We'd have stores of food. They might have grains stored up in garners and they would have barns and all these kinds of things. He couldn't have any of that. There's no way. So it was necessary when he was hunger, unhungered to sustain his life. God requires that of us to sustain our own lives. And so even though the bread was only for the priests, and remember they switched out that bread on the Sabbath. So they had taken out the bread and put in the new ones. We looked at this in our Life of David some time ago. The holy bread. It was switched out every Sabbath. And this bread had just been taken out. It was only to be eaten by the priests. But they shared it with David and with his men. Because they needed it. It was necessity. It could not. You weren't going to let them starve? No, of course not. So you're going to take the holy bread. And you're going to let them eat it. And David even says it is in a manner common. Because it's just been switched out for this other bread. You can let us have it. So he brings this argument forward and shows them that in the case of necessity, it's lawful to take those things and to give them to people in need. That's one thing. Then he presents a second argument concerning necessity, and that is what we call the works of piety. Now, God instituted in his law that on the Sabbath day, the priests should profane the Sabbath. Now, this is a very witty figure of speech because the word for profaning means to take something that's in the temple and remove it out of the temple, to defile it and make common what belongs in the holy place. The phanus is the temple. Pro is out in front. So profanus is where you take the temple stuff and you move it out like Nebuchadnezzar did. He took all the holy things and removed them from the temple. That's profaning the temple. So for him to use this word it's very ironic and it makes the point. You're not to work on the Sabbath and yet, who has to work on the Sabbath? The priests do. God said, in every morning you offer a sacrifice. Every evening you offer a sacrifice. Did he say to stop doing that on the Sabbath? No, he doubled their workload. Two sacrifices in the morning. Two sacrifices in the evening. So if you want to say that I'm sinning and my disciples are sinning because we're gathering grains to feed our hunger, you're going to have a, a real high hurdle to overcome before you get to the point of saying you're sinning. You just want to find fault, is what he's saying. And therefore, if you were to look back at David or you are to evaluate the law of Moses, you'd say it's perfectly lawful. And he'll even prove about their own activities. But here he's proving from the necessity <coughs> of hunger to sustain your life, natural necessity, and then here is a lawful necessity. God imposed by a commandment that they had to work on the Sabbath. So that's a necessity. That's a work of necessity. You have to do it because God said to do it. I can't say as a pastor, well, this is the Christian Sabbath. I'm not going to go preach. Well, that's what God called me to do. So I have to do the labors that God called me to on the Sabbath day. And it's the same way with the priests in the Old Testament. So those are forms of necessity. Matthew chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. 
Okay, so here you could say this is again a form of necessity to do well because God requires of us to do well. But also we call this a work of mercy because you see the animal is in a condition that it will damage their life and eventually take it away. And so in order to keep them from suffering, you Jews, the ones he's talking to, there's not even one among you who would be so cruel as just to leave that sheep there and say, oh, it's the Sabbath. Nope, not going to help him out today. Can't do it. He said, you'll take hold. You'll take the steps necessary to raise that beast out of that pit. And you'll use the strength in your body to lift it out. And the context is, here Jesus is in the synagogue, and there's a man with a withered hand, and they're trying to see, will he heal this guy on the Sabbath? Now, to my knowledge, Moses doesn't cover miraculous healings on the Sabbath in the law. There's no law that says, thou shalt not heal on the Sabbath day. There's nothing like that. But you can reasonably suppose that if it's lawful to do good, you should take care of your animals. And if the animal's life has a certain value that you pay him and want to save it, how much more a human? That's what he's saying, from the lesser to the greater. If it's lawful in the lesser case for an animal, most certainly it is lawful in the greater case. This is a very valid form of argument. Holds good in most all cases that I'm aware of to argue from the lesser to the greater. If it's permissible in the lesser then it should be permissible in this greater scenario. All other things being equal. You have a man suffering, you have an animal suffering. His hand is withered, the sheep's in the ditch. It's lawful to help the sheep, then it's lawful to help the man. So he shows them the work of mercy is lawful on the Sabbath. Thomas Vinson explains, The works which God doth allow us to do on the Sabbath day besides what he doth principally command us, are the works of necessity and mercy, such as eating, drinking, defending ourselves from enemies, quenching the fire of houses, visiting the sick, relieving the poor, feeding cattle, and the like. So here he's helping us to see, just illustrating, that when the Bible says certain things are lawful to do on the Sabbath day, it's not giving us an exhaustive list. Okay, all I can do is eat showbread. Um, I can work in the temple. I can lift up a sheep. And I can heal a man's hand. And that's it. No. it's Christ is illustrating in these particular instances the broader principle, which is if something is necessary, in the case eating and drinking is necessary, we must eat and drink to sustain our lives. Defending ourselves from our enemies. If we had a foreign invasion on the Lord's day, we would have to repel it. We'd have to fight. You see this in uh, Stonewall Jackson's life. He'll write letters to people. He doesn't want to fight on the Sabbath, but if he has to, he's going to. Because people had invaded the Commonwealth of Virginia, he's going to fight them. And then feeding cattle, again, if you have animals, you have to feed them. You're not going to let them starve and say, oh, well, it's the Sabbath, I don't have to help them. Relieving the poor, people who don't have, who have need. That is a work of mercy to help and to visit the sick. Same thing. Quenching the fire of a house. You see a house burning down. Oh, too bad, it's the Sabbath. Your house, just going to let it go up in flames. Can't help you here. 
That is not what God intends when he says to rest on the Sabbath day. So these are the exceptions to the rule. This doesn't mean that this is all we should do all day long is go around putting out fires, feeding people's cattle, giving money to the, the poor, visiting those who are sick. He's not saying take up your whole day in these exceptions, but they are exceptions that are lawful. The whole day is to be taken up in the public and private exercises of God's worship. Then there are these exceptions. So we don't make an exception into a rule. That's what wicked people do. They try to figure out what the exception is, and then they try to make it their rule. Can a person be saved without joining a church? Well, yeah, they can, like the thief on the cross. Okay, he's an exception. Should I therefore not join the church because it can possibly be that a person will be saved without being part of the church? That doesn't follow. We never make exceptions into rules. So we don't make the Sabbath all about these do-gooder things. Say, I'm not going to go worship God. I'm not going to be part of the visible church. I'm not going to worship God publicly and privately because of these exceptions over here. And then what uh, Vincent goes on. He says, in all which employments, we ought not to have a reference chiefly to ourselves or any temporal advantage, but to be as spiritual as may be in them. And so this, if someone were to say, well, listen, I'm a doctor. And on the Sabbath, I have to go help people. That's fine, so far as it goes. Do you take a salary? Do you make those people pay you to work for them on the Sabbath? Because if you do, that's to your advantage. That's not mercy, that's commerce. You're expecting an exchange for your goods. You offer your service or your goods and you say, give me money and I'll give you the service. Don't give me money? Sorry, can't help you. No, that's commerce. So if there is a doctor who is helping people on the Sabbath, he can't take a salary. He can't ask people to pay him on the Sabbath because that would be the exact opposite of what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about helping and showing mercy. You think you're going to ask the sheep, hey, um, I'll get you out of this ditch, but you've got to pay me first. You think Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, i got a couple drachmas, then I'll help to unwither your hand. I'll heal you so long as you pay me. No, 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 no. This is the same thing with quenching the fire of houses, defending ourselves from our enemies, eating and drinking, visiting the sick. We don't ask to be remunerated. It's not about ourselves. It's not about coming to a further wealth for the things that we do for people. We're not seeking a temporal advantage. And that's the point. It's not about you. These exceptions are about serving our neighbors, not about serving ourselves. And so just something to think about if a person did have to work on the Sabbath, you should not charge anybody. If you really have to help someone and you're doing it out of compassion, you don't ask them to give you money to do those things that you're doing. All right, any questions about this? Question 60, the sanctification of the Sabbath, works of necessity and mercy, and the worldly employments and recreations. Anything about those? There's a problem... Uh, 12, 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, right mm-hmm. regards the life of the mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. So teaching that principle of mercy toward even our animal, our brutes. And that's part of what God is doing, is teaching us to be merciful to men as we are merciful to our animals. Alright, anything else? Okay, let's close in prayer. <clears throat>